Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome in Rose City to another edition of the Soccer Made in Portland podcast. Uh, I'm Ryan Clark, joined today by a special guest, uh, Thorns GM Karina LeBlanc. Karina, um, thank, thanks again for joining us. We, we appreciate you being on the pod. Um, how, how are you feeling today? I'm excited to be here on the pod. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good, good to good to have your voice and your perspective on here. We we appreciate you taking the the time. Um, obviously, it's been an exciting start to the Challenge Cup for the Thorns, um, getting a, a couple victories and, and showing their medal uh, against some tough teams. Uh, what what has been your evaluation? so far of how the team has looked uh, and and, um, how it's playing uh, leading up to the regular season. You know, first and foremost, I think the biggest thing is when you walk into the locker room, you feel the spirit of the players and the energy and they're in a good space. I think so far in this Challenge Cup, we've seen Rian Wilkinson try new formations, play players in different positions, um, and really using this as an opportunity to prepare for the, for the regular season. So I think we've seen growth. You know, we've gotten some results that we were happy about, you know, but we've had some results that we were not so happy about. And I think it's in these moments where you have the opportunity to grow. And I've loved how the team's taking that mentality of, okay, we're not happy, but let's make sure we're not again in this type of situation. And let's make sure we learn from these and, and it's an opportunity of absolute growth. So I'd, I would say so far this Challenge Cup, I've learned a lot about the players. Um, obviously, knowing Reen for many years, I'm, I'm seeing her as a coach and how she manages the players, how she manages the formations, how she manages the quick turnaround. You know, we have some games where it's midweek and then the weekend. And so you're just, I'm watching the entire staff continue to rise through these different challenges of the Challenge Cup. <laughs> <laughs> that's why they call it that right well i'm making it up <laughs> there, there we go not. okay perfect perfect um so so for people who may not be familiar with you uh who are who are just uh getting around to, to following the thorns this season how would you best articulate uh, your vision for the club you've talked before about uh desire to win championships and everything else but how would you best articulate that yeah i think coming into this this position there's one thing you know about the port and thorns is that we want to always win. <laughs> you know, I mean, my first year when I played here um, back in 2013, which seems so long ago, but I still pretend that I'm only 28 years old. Um, <laughs> you know, we won the championship and that was the inaugural year and that set the tone. And I think the legacy that we wanted to leave as players is that that's the mentality 
of what it is to be a Portland Thorn. That's the expectation of ourselves as players, um, for the fans, for the community and the organization. So I think that's always there. But if, if you get to know me, I, I've said this a lot and the players always laugh when I say it, but I think it's, it's this goal of us being the most connected club, uh, globally. But what does that look like? You know, and, and it's, I can have this vision clarity, but it's for everybody to have that same mindset of, we want to be the standards. We want to be the standard across the NWSL. Um, we want to be that standard where every player gets to feel that feeling I played in being a thorn and every fan. I mean, we, I know LA's come in and they've set a higher bar with attendance numbers and that's a beautiful challenge for us. There's the challenge word again. Um, that's a beautiful challenge yep. for us because now it's about us as a community and the fans engaging and being like, how do we be better in that aspect? But I think that connection, I remember being a player when you're connected on something bigger than yourselves and the fans being connected with us and the community and the organization were one moving forward. I think that just, it brings out a different element for you as a player. You know, there's something about, you know, having a bad game as a player and looking up in the stand and seeing a community member that you just spent time with throughout the week and being like, okay, you know what? I missed that shot or I missed that save. And you look and be like, you know what, but I'm not doing it for myself. I'm doing it for maybe that kid or that adult. But I think it's from my experience here, the fans were such a big factor in us being successful. And as players, you know, it's game day and those are the days you live for. And those are the the days that you think about, but stepping on that feel and just having that, that extra reason why, and the community having that extra reason why of showing up to the games because it's for the players and they know they are impacting the game, you know, and as an organization, us always being connected on that and, you know, stepping into this role, I, I think it's, I've had that clarity that, you know, this organization, the thorns are a huge part of what they do. We just had a meeting last week and, you know, with the front office and the ticketing and just getting for them to hear the stories of, of the players and the staff. It's, it's us just continuing to have those conversations. So when I say most connected club in the world, I just mean that everyone, when you watch us on TV, when you come to the game, whether you're a player, no matter your role, you feel that, that uniqueness and that specialness of the thorns. And I know that I felt that as a player and I now feel that on the administrative side. So yeah, I don't even know if I answered your question there, but you can tell a bit passionate about it. And that passion just lays from the energy of the players and the organization around me. You definitely did answer it. And and the passion is evident. And it's something that um, I've noticed as a a reporter from the outside, seeing the, the culture that has been built, uh, you know, there and and the idea that you and Reen have about wanting to maintain that culture and even grow it um, is something that's been been evident so far. Uh, one one other subject that um, has been on the minds of a lot of fans is is the fact that both clubs, the Timbers and the Thorns, have have faced off field issues in recent years. Um, how have you navigated that as a new person coming into this GM role, and what can you say to to fans who are worried about accountability uh, existing within both of these clubs. Yeah, I think one of the th- first things I learned early on in my career was seek first to understand before wanting to be understood. So it was coming in and listening. And, you know, I've had conversations with, you know, the one to sevenists, um, different board. Like I've, I've gone into this role listening 
but asking a lot of questions. And, you know, people have asked me, why did I come here? And, and it, and it was, it was pretty evident, you know, last, what well, it comes back to about two years ago when I, I gave birth to my daughter, I, I had heart failure within a week after that. And the reason I tell that story is because when you, um, you think that you're not going to get more in life, um, you, you, you ask for some big, pretty big things. And I remember saying, you know, if, 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 if you give me one more chance, God, I promise to make it matter. And I think when I had the phone call with Merritt, um, gosh, it feels like years ago, but it would have been just last year. Um, it was one of those honest and raw conversations where I asked a lot of questions. And I think you've heard Reen and I speak about it where we asked a lot of questions because we, before we came into this role and we believe that this organization, um, would do and was willing to do all the right things. And I think in time, people will see that in the reports. And I know that isn't comfortable for people because they're like, what do you want us to base on just what you say? And over time, you'll, you'll see it. But hopefully our actions day in and day out will prove to be what we truly believe is this club, this organization, the players, the people. I think if we start looking forward with that vision clarity of who we want to be, and I, and I, I spoke about it earlier, is that we listen to everybody and we make sure everybody feels that their voices are heard and seen and matter and that the players are leading a lot of things right now, right? Like we're listening to the players. We're listening to their concerns. They have a seat at the table. I think that's one of the unique things in having a coach and a GM who are former players come into this role. And that's part of the legacy piece, you know, that Merritt talked about is that, you know, as players, you always want to leave the game better than when you came into it. And now we're in, we're in a seat. We have a seat at the table and the opportunity to help make the game. I've been, you know, since I went over to CONCACAF, you know, it was 41 countries that I was helping develop and grow the game of, of women's football. That's what we call it globally. And then rain has been continuing giving back to the game. So if you look at the two of our histories and our dedication and commitment to making the game better than when we played into it and now in our roles, we are committed to making sure that this organization and we have the full support in all of our visions end up being what I think everybody, all the fans, all the players, everyone within this organization wants it to be. So I understand all the questions. And, and I think when, if you ask around, I have gone in and sat down and listened and, and heard the concerns. And I think that's also an important part because as an organization, we're doing that. Right. But it's continuing to do that, because, again, if we want to be that standard, we have to put our hands up where we have. We have to see how can we can be, be-, be better moving forward. But most importantly, we have to figure out how to lead the way forward. And I think hopefully that's that's why I talked about the fans. And, you know, before the games now, you'll see me walking around and going and interacting with the fans because I can never underestimate and let the fans know the power that they have. Right. Like if I think of my favorite moments and I've said this from the beginning, my best year professionally was here. Hands down, no gray area. That's no disrespect to any other club. It was what we as a community and a fan base and what the thorns meant. And so I get all the concerns and I'm, I'm here to be asked. Like I'm here to be me in this. I want to be authentically myself, but I'm here to be part of why we can move forward. 
and why we believe we're going to do the right things. And I think Rena and I have a lot of conversations. I think it's almost daily. We're checking ourselves and being like, how can we be better? You know, what do we need to keep doing? What do we need to start doing? And what do we need to stop doing? And that starts with, you know, the organization, the players and all of us, we're all on that same page. So it's a question that, you know, it's hard because I, I feel like I'm continually asked that question and, and I, I continue to want to answer in an authentic way, but it's hard because people are like, why should we believe you? And I think you can believe us because you look at our past. I think, you know, our past will tell you that we are two women who are very strong in our conviction and wanting to move the game forward, very strong in our conviction of using our past experiences. And we wouldn't be here if we didn't believe that this still is and can be the best club you know, in the women's game. I obviously I want to say globally on the men's side too, but um I, I, I want to say that honestly I, I believe that with the bottom of my heart. And that's why, you know, I left living in the Bahamas with my beautiful child and husband and we're here. And I think it was the best move I could have made because honestly, you know, walking the streets of Portland, um, going to restaurants and people just being like, we're so happy that you're here. And the players and the staff, I I mean it, it, it's been a tough and challenging time. I think we should have like, you know, a ting ting every time I say challenge. <laughs> but I would say, um, for me, I, I think it's been the best move because the support that I feel from everyone, um, makes me feel alive. I'm a person that's driven by purposeful living and, and making sure that each of us in this, on this earth live a life of purpose. And I think I'm exactly where I'm meant to be. And, 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 and I've loved the people and the support. And I've absorbed the challenges and I'm, and I'm very confident in who we are as a club moving forward and us doing the right thing and us going back towards being that standard in women's soccer globally. And it's not even just in this country, but I have a true belief in that. And I, and I hope that more people will start to join on. And, and I think it's important for us to note that there are a lot of people who are definitely believing that as well. And I think that's what makes me feel alive. You mentioned your daughter um, and what you've gone through uh, with her, and um, how how special has she been in, in your life, and, and how has she changed your perspective? Oh, you're trying to get me to tear up here, huh? Um, I'll tell you my highlight. Um, she came on; it was she was on the field, and she was playing with a couple of the players. And she was passing the ball. So she grew up obviously in the pandemic. So all she saw on TV was soccer and, 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 and the market because <laughs> my husband's into that stuff. So she doesn't know about everything else. So it's the cutest thing. Every time she sees soccer, she's like, mommy's team. And it, it lit my heart up and it made my heart smile in the most beautiful way when she could be on the field, kicking the ball around with, with her, her sheroes, you know, like, because it's like, you have to ask yourself, why am I doing what I do every single day of our lives? And this is not just being my job, but I feel like everybody should always ask themselves, like, what is your why? And for me, her kicking the ball around. And then some of the fans are like, woo, Paris, you know, for me, my why is every day I want to be her hero in everything I do in, in every conversation I have in every interaction I have with her in every interaction I have that she'll probably never, ever hear or see. I wanted that to be like my line in the sand. So 
you asked me the impact she has on me. It's like, you know, that's why sometimes I get comfortable with being uncomfortable and I challenge myself because I want to be her hero and I want her to be proud of who I am, not only in my job, but me as a mother, me as a person. And so she, it's, it's, it may sound weird to some, but she drives me with all my intentions every single day. And my highlight was her being on the field, playing with the players. Cause I think people sometimes see these players and what they do is they score the goals or sometimes make the save, which is the most important position. <laughs> I just have to give that little shout out to her. Um, <laughs> but I think you, we don't recognize who these players are and the impact these players have, not only on themselves, but even me as a general manager or, or organization and the people. And they're incredible human beings. And for my daughter to be able to be around like-minded women, and I say women or players, that are inspired on something greater than themselves, I know that this sport made me who I am today. And it gave me that vision clarity of who I want to be every single day. So for her to be surrounded by these people that are great role models, great heroes or sheroes, as I want to throw out there, and people who who are happy to be in her presence and see the light that she is, it just makes me, you know, so proud to be a mother. No doubt. And um, you had her with you when you were up in, in Vancouver uh, for, for that Canada women's national team moment. Uh, what was that like, that whole experience? I, I saw you there when you were still kind of soaking it in, but in, in reflection, what what are your, your thoughts on it all? Yeah, you know, I, I think for me, it was never that I played. I had the honor of playing for my country for 18 years, and it was never that I played, you know, for these accolades, I mean, I, I sit back and I think as athletes, sometimes you don't take the time to sit back. And, you know, someone was like being in that group of people, people were reminiscing on, you know, the World Cups and the Olympics. But I think for me, it comes back again as, as it, in different chapters of your life, things change, you know, and for me, being recognized in the Hall of Fame was an important honor. And I think it was more so to see how my it, my family responded to it and my friends and I was excited about it just to be, again, you know, I think you're just in your daily life of like, okay, you're the general manager and this is what you're doing. And to have that pause and and take a step out and be in Canada and, you know, in Canada, people still recognize me. I mean, I'm a black woman with a, min- a mohawk. So, you know, people are just celebrating. But then to walk out on the field and I walked out with my daughter and I was like, Paris, wave. And she waved. I think that made the moment more special because at some point she won't remember that moment, but I I love living life for moments that she may never remember, but I will not forget. And to have her wave and the crowd go loud for her, she'll see that picture one day and be like, Hey mommy, hopefully she'll be like, you're pretty cool. Or maybe she'll say you're just annoying. But, um, you know, (laughs) I, I think it's, it's as athletes, you don't remember all the wins and losses, right? But you remember the moments that make you feel alive. And, you know, coming back to the Thorns, I remember making, you know, the, like some big saves and the, the, the crowd just was so electrifying. I've made saved many saves in my career, but when you can remember a particular save and it's because of the reaction of your teammates and your crowd, that's what you know is special. And that's what we have as the Thorns. We, we create special moments that athletes 20, 30, 40 years down the road will never forget. And it's not because of the game, but it's the people around and the people who are part of that journey. And um, yeah, I think that day was special because it was taking a pause <laughs> and to just let that moment be what it was, but to have her in my hand and, 
and wave. My poor husband, he's like, you know, I never talk about him because I'm always talking about my daughter. It was special for all of us, but I think, I mean, those who, who know me will know that that, that, mess, that moment was more special because she was in my hands. And what was it like for him what, to, to watch you um, get that recognition and, and look back on your career? What, what was, were his thoughts? Yeah, I mean, my husband was my high school sweetheart, right? So he played on the youth national team. And when we were 16, our dates were going out and shooting. I would try to stop his shots. And, <laughs> you know, <laughs> he's been around my career for the longest time. And he, you know, I, I've been fortunate and blessed enough to to have a partner in life that, you know, he's at, at the place, especially going through this pandemic. But he always said, you know, I want... I want you, I want to help you be the woman you're meant to be on this earth. And so for him, he was, he, he, he teared up, you know, he was, and I think again, you look at this and he looks, he knows who I am, but he said, he's like, for our daughter to have a mother like you, that's, that's pretty special and incredible. So, you know, I think this is, this ties into the whole idea of us as athletes, us as athletes. I am no longer an athlete because let me tell you, I can't even climb the stairs of the stadium without being out of breath. So as athletes, it's, <laughs> it's connecting to the idea of your purpose beyond just the wins and losses. But how does this game help you be a platform for something better and help you identify who you are on this earth? And I think, the game continually reminds me of that. And that's why I'm so grateful to the game of what it's taught me as a human being, as a woman, as a mother, as a friend, um, as a GM. And I think that's what we want to make sure every player who comes through here understands that this game is a platform for them as human beings. And honestly, I think part of the legacy is not just our roster and us winning championships, but it's our roster and what these women go on to do because we've set them up in life. And, um, yeah, I, I, I keep thinking back to like the successes that other people see for me are great. But I think now my, my focus is how do we help this team be so successful, obviously win, but then also set these players up for the, for the next step in their lives. And that, that again comes back to the community, right? And that comes back to the community coming in and, you know, how can we help these players do their next thing and what is their next thing and, and being one in that and taking it personally because that family atmosphere when you walk through that stadium door is not just on the field. It's in the stands and I've gotten to see that even more walking through the stands and talking to our fans. You know, this, this Thorns team is pretty special to a lot of human beings and we want to keep that. Definitely. And, um, Janine Becky is uh, one of your biggest moves as GM now signing her and, uh, bringing her on from Manchester City. Uh, she had her first training yesterday, um, and she seems very excited to join the team. What are your thoughts on what she brings to the club? So I think you, you nailed it. She's pretty excited to be here. Um, I think in, in conversations uh, ahead of this, you know, with her agent, I, I've known Janine for years, obviously. Um, and, and, and what she brings to the locker room is that positivity, that team first mentality, um, and which is an important part for us. Character is something we do not just check, do a checkbox for. It's will this person work with the club? Will, will, will they add to the environment? Um, and that's beyond just the technical and tactical work. And I think what anybody who's around Janine will say, see that she's buzzing. She's passionate about the game, but she's also wants to take her game to another level. And there were many factors for her wanting to come here. Obviously, Reen Wilkinson as a coach, she knew that was going to be an important move. 
the thorns, <laughs> you know, I mean, it, it, we are the thorns. And, and I think that's something that's massive. And it, it makes it almost easier for us to sell of being like, who are we? Because everybody knows who we are and, and that vision clarity where we want to go. But on the technical side, I mean, she, she can play wing back. She can play up top. You know, I know you've seen Rian rotates a couple formations. Um, she can be valuable in all of those. And I think for her at the international level, she wants to help take her game to that next step. And she believes that this is the club that can take her to that next step. So for us, it's exciting because you have a player who's driven, but also a player who still has a lot that they want to prove, not only at the club level, but the international level. And, and these are the characteristics that we want. Somebody who's hungry, somebody who is willing to put the team first, and somebody who knows that there may be multiple roles that they can play, but they're willing to. And so... I'm excited for it. But like you said, you know, yesterday buzzing and just having a good time because I think that's what you want. You want people who understand when they put that jersey on and, you know, that crest is on their heart. It means something to them. And um, definitely we got that when, with, with Janine. You're someone who who um, speaks a lot about culture and about um, positive change and um, trying to, to leave a legacy on the game. Um, in general, what are some of the things that have come to your mind about, uh, wanting to see change in NWSL? Uh, what, what are, um, some of the the key issues that, um, that you are focused on, uh, at this point? Well, I think the CBA is a, is a good, great first step. You know, I think the players' voices have been seen and heard and, you know, I, I, you see the minimum salary going up and you see ownership embracing that. You know, I think it's an important part of when we talk about that connection, it's the connection between the ownership, the league and the players. So the CBA is a definitely first step. Um, I'm being mindful at what I say publicly because I think I'm being a voice behind the scenes and just being <laughs> making sure um, I'm not that loud new person who's who's trying to make many changes out loud. But I think what's been healthy is the healthy conversations. You know, we have a new commissioner coming in, you know, and which will be a positive thing. I thought Marla Messing was also great at what she did. And the game continues to grow in all the right steps. I think us making sure and ensuring we keep our players here um, in the States is an important factor because you see the global game growing, you know, the, the wages going up. And it's harder for us to keep the talent at home, but us continuing to make the steps so that people not are not enticed by, you know, Champions League and, you know, dollars that are competing with us that, you know, I I, I just saw a new signing where I was, I was like, you're happy for the player, but you're like, okay, how do we make sure that we don't lose all the bigger players to, to the, to, to the money that they can get overseas? I think the parity of our league is something we have to continue to talk about because day in and day out, anybody can win. And us highlighting and making sure we tell the story of the greatness of, of playing this in this league, what it does for the players. I mean, for me, I spent my entire career in the U.S. playing professionally. I went through three leagues, two folded ones with WSA and WPS. But again, I'm just reminding everybody I'm 28 years old, so I'm not that old. And then this league, and I think the ownership in this league has gotten it right. I think the expansion teams that may come in will be exciting. I think the players are starting to understand that what we have in this league is unique rare and special and it's about keeping players here and giving them the opportunity that once they become a professional it's their dream day in and day out our standards are that you know and and making sure that's the reality across the board but I would just say like coming in now and having conversations 
Whether they're hard conversations, uncomfortable or comfortable conversations, everybody's willing to have it. And I think when you can continue to show up in that way, that's where we continue to, I think, continue to be the best and continue to challenge ourselves and move forward in the right way. One of the exciting things for the franchise um, coming up is, is the the co-ed game that'll be happening this coming Wednesday. Um, both teams have expressed their excitement about that. What are you looking forward to for that? And uh, can anybody anticipate you maybe uh, throwing the gloves back on and uh, get, getting out there? Or what, what are we thinking? <laughs> <laughs> no chance. <laughs> I, I'm one of those when I retired, I happily retired, right? Like, I, I mean, I, I was blessed enough to retire to home world cup um, and, it was 18 years uh, of playing at this level. So <laughs> no, I'm sorry. <laughs> if, I let, if I put on the gloves, it's just to be like, yay, let's go. But, you know, I, I think for me, I'll say that this is extremely personal because when Merrick came forward with the idea, you saw buy-in from everybody, right? Uh, I, like we've been on meetings where there you have like 80 people on a call to three people on the call Everyone has just worked overtime for this because it's a cause greater than ourselves. And it's very rare that as players, you're playing a game that it's not about wins or losses, but it's on something greater than yourselves. And UNICEF, I'm actually a UNICEF ambassador. So I became a UNICEF ambassador in Canada um, in 2013, I believe, right after we won the Olympic medal. And I've gotten to go on trips. And these trips have changed my life because you understand how every dollar counts and how every child counts. And when you see what's going on overseas and it's very rare that we have an opportunity where everyone is connected on the same thing. You know, it's not about politics. It's not about religion. It's about being human beings and doing the right thing. And the players were on board, you know, the, the staff I'm telling you are on board and it's going to be a great game because I think you know, I've heard many times, like our fan base have, have, have wanted this game for a long time, but it's been hard to do because it's like, when do you do it? Even looking like even finding the day was looking at both schedules and trying to figure it out. But when you're playing this game for a cause that matters, and especially for UNICEF, where every child counts, and I've been on those trips, I've been around the world, and you know, held a child that life that life was saved because of a donation by somebody on the other side of the world. I think that this is a cause. I say it's near and dear to my heart, but it's near and dear to everybody's heart because um, the children are our future. You know, they're what our legacy will be, and whether. It's a child you, you don't know or a child you know, like this is where we need to invest. And the fact that some of these children's realities have been just horror and devastation and we can be a light in that by playing a soccer game is something that's truly powerful. So, you know, I encourage everybody to go, even if you're donating a dollar or two or if you have the capacity to, to donate more, let's show the world what we are, you know, and, and this is on something again, I think I've said this, there's a lot of words we'd probably need to ding, ding, ding every single time I say, but when you're connected on something bigger than themselves, and especially coming out of this pandemic where there's a lot of people who struggled, um, they're trying to find their way. I think this is going to be that, that light, that game, this game is going to be because of serious matters, but we hope that it adds to people's days and lives beyond just the donation to UNICEF, but even our community to see that we can come together 
we can be about bigger than just ourselves, but we can do things to impact the world. And people on the other side of the pond, as some people say, because we have a couple British people on our staff, but we can affect, affect people in different parts of the world that, you know, we don't have that direct contact with. So for me, this is massive. Um, I'll be on the sideline getting to interview Gio Henry uh, with Liam and having some fun with it so people can tune in and stream in. But, you know, I think, again, it comes back to sometimes it's more about the win. It's more than the wins and losses. It's it's the impact you can have. And I think for our players and the Timbers players and the staff and the organization, this is one of those things that everybody is smiling at the efforts that we're putting in and, and hopefully we'll get the numbers to show you know, ourselves and, and the world that, you know, this game can, can, can do so much. Well, well, thank you very much, Karina, for taking the time for this interview. I really appreciate it. Um, we will be right back here on Soccer Made in Portland after a quick break. Thanks. Thank you. Welcome back to Soccer Made in Portland, here with Chris Reifer to chat uh, Timbers, Thorns, and a bunch of other soccer-related stuff in the PNW uh, that's been going on these last couple of weeks. So um, I was off this last weekend. I was I was busy, you know, wiggling my toes in the sand in Seaside, Oregon, and then realizing it's, it's too cold to wiggle your toes in the sand and running back into the Airbnb. But... Um, Chris, you you watched uh, the the Timbers on Saturday. Uh, wh- what were your evaluations? I I saw zero zero draw for for the team uh, and some some potential opportunities squandered. I, I I did watch both games this weekend, uh, but before we get to that, I've got a couple points that I want to hit real fast. First of all, uh, my favorite part of the Karina LeBlanc interview was the part where I said nothing at all. Uh, so for full disclosure, <laughs> we are recording uh, our segment of this on Wednesday. Uh, I am going to be out uh, on Thursday. So thanks to Ryan and thanks to Karina for, uh, for, you know, carrying the load uh, on the first half of the show. Of course, um, it, you know, we got a little time warp thing going on here <laughs> with the pod. So we're, we're good. Yeah, exactly. Really hoping there's no like major breaking news between Wednesday afternoon and Thursday morning. Uh, but yeah, so second of all, though, I, I also want to hit, uh, so you made the decision to go to, to Seaside for, uh, for the weekend. Do you have a connection to Seaside? What's the rationale? Okay. Um, I get the skepticism for sure. It's, it's definitely <laughs> not. Did, did it come through that thick? <laughs> it, it's definitely not the best. Uh, place to visit on the Oregon coast. No offense to any listeners from Seaside, uh, but I have a very special uh, childhood connection there. You know, it was the place that, as a kid, my parents would always bring us down there, enjoy a Prano pup, enjoy the arcade, um, youth basketball tournaments. You know, coming to those for my brother for for youth basketball teams that I've coached. Uh, special memories there. So. I enjoyed it for, for that aspect, you know, reliving my youth. Um, but, but the reason we went was primarily for, for my dad's birthday, uh, and for my, my girlfriend's birthday. The weather was great. You know, we, it was, uh, sunny the entire weekend, but why seaside? I don't know. I, I, we, we were looking for Airbnbs on the coast and the one we found seemed nice enough. And, and, uh, it was in the south part of seaside, which is not nearly as heavy on the, the foot traffic with the screaming children as, as the other uh, portions of town. But, you know, went into Cannon Beach a little bit too. Uh, Got to enjoy the 
as, as much of the Oregon coast uh, scene as possible. Uh, and there are many other places I've, I've been over the years that, that obviously bring a little more in terms of uh, overall experience. That's so I, I, I think that's an acceptable explanation as to why you chose Seaside. Um, uh, I actually <laughs> kind of feel the, the, the same way about Seaside as you do. I, I like have really good memories of it from my childhood. Um, uh, but going back there <laughs> as an adult and, and granted, I have no idea if this is just because I no longer have sort of the rose colored glasses of an eight year old, uh, or, or, or if it's, you know, sort of hit, hit a little bit of rougher times. But when so many of these little towns on the coast have been, actually like kind of come into life uh over the course of the 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 last uh decade or so uh unfortunately it seems seaside's kind of gone the the other direction i certainly get the nostalgia uh of seaside but uh but but for me it's you know any any it it is it is somewhere down the list i'll put it that way uh of coast destinations uh i'm apparently adding seaside to the list of cities uh that i have offended um right up along with uh tacoma from was that a week or two ago yeah we're we're just knocking a, a pacific northwest city out every week uh just offending as many people as possible with our our takes about them tune in next week for when i offend spokane Uh-oh. there's a lot you could say about that uh, that's true i i could add to that also <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. So this is soccer made in Portland. So let's talk about soccer, uh, because there was, uh, a good amount of soccer that happened over the course of the last week, uh, that had some sort of nexus to the city of Portland, um, whether it was physically made here or not. Uh, starting up with the Timbers, the zero zero draw, uh, at Houston on sort of a, a, a 10,000 foot level. Uh, my primary takeaway from the game is not a lot to report here. Um, it was, it, it was not the most interesting game, uh, of, of the season. I, I hope, uh, it will be somewhere in the bottom quartile of interesting games, uh, over the course of the season. There were a couple of moments in it. Um, uh, but frankly, the, the zero, zero draw, or at least a low scoring draw of some sort, which I think would either just be a zero, zero or maybe a one, one draw, uh, was entirely a fair result. I think that was a little bit disappointing from the Timbers perspective, given that they did play the last 15 minutes of the game, uh, up a man. And I think Gio Savarese after the game said basically exactly that. Uh, I think it was also a little bit disappointing from the Timbers perspective, given, you know, the, the, the way that they controlled the game through a decent amount of the middle, uh, of the game in particular, um, uh, the, the sort of second half of the first half to put it remarkably inarticulately, um, was was pretty solid for the Timbers. They they did a nice job of getting control, sort of like they did in Vancouver, um, and they got the, the the they got the ball into a number of good spots, and they didn't make much of it. There was also a a a pretty bad miss uh, from the much discussed Yaroslav Nishkoda, um that that should have put the Timbers up one zero in the second half, uh, and given the the way that the rest of the second half went from there uh, certainly seems likely to have delivered the win, but you know, I mean, there, there, there wasn't a ton in this one. Uh, and, and so, you know, going down to Houston, a team that's, you know, they're sort of flat track heroes, I think, but they've, they've put together some results at the beginning of the year. So going down to Houston, a place where the Timbers have struggled and getting a point certainly isn't the end of the world. It's nothing to, to shake a stick at, you know, it's, it also certainly wasn't uh, a particularly inspiring performance. And I think that came out, uh, of Gio's comments, or at least came through in Gio's comments after the game. Uh, I thought Aliazi Vatrich had another nice uh, shot-stopping game. That's two in a row that he's had, uh, including the one up in Vancouver. 
and, and I think that's something certainly to keep an eye on. That was a big question. I mean, we certainly had questions yeah. about it coming into the season, whether that was going to be an area of weakness for the Timbers. And I don't think Ivacic has been perfect by any means. I, I am not ready to, you know, jump on the Ivacic as a good starting MLS goalkeeper train. I'm, <laughs> I, I'm, you know, maybe, maybe, thinking about approaching the platform of that train uh to board that train but but i i'm not even on the platform yet uh to catch that train uh and and you know so but credit to him uh a couple nice saves uh the defense put him in a couple bad spots especially early on that he did a nice job with and then uh and then houston very nearly found uh one but for a brilliant save that either was or should be the mls save of the week uh, yeah. in, in, in the second half that, that kept it level for the Timbers. So credit to him. Um, by and large yeah. though, you know, it was kind of a weird game for, you know, to be coming away with the goalkeeper being uh, a big narrative because frankly, it's not like it was a shooting gallery in front of the Timbers goal. Uh, Houston really didn't generate all that much. And in the few times in which he was called upon, Ivacic did well. Yeah, no, I agree. I think that he was solid based on what, what I saw in terms of the highlights um and and what i read from tyson auger who filled in for me uh, as a as a freelancer um shout out to tyson for for doing that big help for for the o additionally an interesting note on ivacic that i found compelling in tyson's story was that uh steve clark basically ghosted him he went up to him to you know try and uh, be friendly. He refused to shake his hand before the game, and he was compared to to Steve uh, when Steve was in Portland, and Steve's gone now uh, with with Houston. Interesting that that there may be a little bit of bad blood there, a little uh, personal drama. You don't get that often uh, between two players uh, in MLS. I mean, you know me. I disavow any and all drama. Uh, I, I, I do not like drama. I don't like hot takes. Like, let's keep it tight. Let's keep it clean. Yeah, uh, respect. Like, yeah, ex- 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 it's a family show after all. True. Um, <laughs> I honestly don't know what to make of that stuff. Uh, you know, to, to be perfectly frank, especially when it's, when it's pregame stuff. Uh, I, I, uh, I, think some guys are just competitive uh and and are locked in and don't want to uh do that kind of stuff pregame so i you know I, I i saw the references to it i don't know how much i really read into it just because you know it wouldn't surprise me if clark is is sort of just the kind of guy who before the game uh doesn't do uh you know much catching up uh on on the field beforehand so who knows maybe there's something there uh maybe there's something juicy that some you know tabloid journalist can make a meal out of Yes, I'm, I, I'm just taking cheap shots now, too. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, I'm just taking cheap shots. Um, but, uh, but you know, I, I, I don't know how much is there. Yeah, I. Who knows how it ended between between the the team and Clark too? Um, there's could be residual feelings there, but um, either way, I, I, I don't see much in the way of um sticking with that drama. Um, uh, so you're not going to, you, you're not going to insist that people, uh, that people either devote themselves to team Steve or team jazzy. No, no, I don't, I don't think there's teams to be had here. There, I mean, there are <laughs> literal teams to be had here. They are, there are teams, different yes. actual professional soccer teams, but yes. And they, and they drew zero zero and it was not pretty. <laughs> <laughs> um, so th- that's another thing too, just, just to get into to that point, not to stray too much from the, the juicy drama, but um 
you know, Portland has had a couple of these games where, you know, they, as you said, play decently well, and then they just kind of like, you know, frump like they end in a draw. You know, it's it's just like, well, guess that happened, shoot, and then they move on to the next one. And they've got the most draws, I believe, of any team in the Western Conference uh, with four. It's getting to, to be one of those scenarios where you can't keep, you know, doing this and um you gotta you gotta find three points in some of these at least one or two of these big kind of big 2013 vibes right now and the timbers i think set at the time and i don't know if it still is the mls record for draws in a season oh but yeah you're right i mean it, it it's been draw city usa uh so so far this season i i don't know if i go quite so far as to say you know they gotta start you know pulling results out of a couple of these hey look you know two game road trip at vancouver at houston i'm not sold on either team but four points is still an objectively good outcome from sort of that set of games um even if even if there are things to be said, uh, I, I think about about some of the performances. Uh, but you know, I I, I think in the end, this is again for for uh, old hats of the Rose City. This is uh, this is very much you know strong spring vibes for for the uh, for the Timbers uh, in, in, in the spring, you're right that at some point they are going to need to, to, to start stringing wins together and getting three points consistently, especially at home. Uh, I, I think you can kind of look at the away form and say, yeah, it's all right. They got a win. They got a couple draws. You know, that's not too bad. The place where they've really dropped points and points that they should get uh, is at home, uh, which, which certainly sets the table for uh, a home game this weekend against a team whom the Timbers have just absolutely dominated uh, over the course uh, of the last 12 months or so. This can be a good get-back type game uh, against Real Salt. Like, I feel like um, a, a lopsided uh, result plus um, going into, you know, the excitement and, and the joy of, of that charity co-ed game that's coming up in the, the days after that, um, I think would be really good for, for the team's morale and for its confidence um, going forward, they, they've made their way. I will say this. They've made their way through, um, a relatively difficult stretch of, of games compared to some other teams in the conference. Um, unscathed in some spots, but pretty damn scathed in, in others. Um, it, it's just going to be a matter of finding their form, finding the right guys to fit in the right spaces. Uh, I would anticipate based on what Gavin Wilkinson told us last week that they're going to have another striker in the fold in the next couple of weeks. Um, so that addition plus whatever goes on this summer uh, is going to, to make for whatever the final form of this Timbers team is because the pieces I think are there for them to be a, a legitimate uh, team that, that can make a deep run. You know, they made it to MLS cup last year with relatively the same cast of characters and, I don't think many of those characters have taken substantial steps back. You also have to take into account Felipe Moore will be back too. Um, so we'll see. I, I think that, you know, Timbers fans and, and um, those like yourself are, are rightly acknowledging, um, you know, the spring woes are, are just kind of part of the deal. And, and, you know, it's kind of a metaphor for, you know, living in the Pacific Northwest generally. I mean, my God, at the time of recording this podcast, we have had four straight days of nonstop rain. It has been awful. <laughs> I, I I feel like I haven't seen the sun in like weeks. It's it's tough. So, you know, get through that time. 
Portlanders. We we will see the sun. Yeah, nice little weatherman Portland segment. <laughs> there's uh, your weatherman yeah, like, Portland. You know, two yeah. weeks ago it was like 75 and sunny. We had you know our little fake summer, and then we had winter come back and it snowed. That was crazy. Yeah, um, and now like now this is just like this feels like home. Um, this is what things are supposed to feel like. Not great, but de- not terrible. Uh, and and you know just sort of muddling through until May. Uh, sometimes until June. Occasionally until July. Oh. I'll take if if we can avoid the wildfires and keep our communities in this state safe and avoid the smoke for everybody else. I will I will take a slightly wet start to the summer if if yeah. that's the trade off. No 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 question to, uh, at all. As as Jerry uh, decides that now is the time. Uh, after sleeping all day today, we're recording in the afternoon. After sleeping all day, now he wants to play fetch. Yes, Jerry. So he's getting after it. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, you know, I, I, I think I share though your, your, your feelings about the overall roster. I think they're relatively structurally sound. Uh, I think the midfield looks good and like it has a number of options that it can sort of plug in and give a little bit different looks. Um, they've certainly had a bit of an adventure to say the least at times at outside back. Uh, but central defense has has been certainly less of a problem, uh, and you know, I mean, they they have had some defensive woes to be sure. But if they can sort of stop shooting themselves in the foot uh, on the flanks, uh, it it seems like the, you know the, those sorts of things are 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 fixable and, and clean upable, uh, even if it takes a a summer move for uh, a new right back, which was also hinted at uh, by Gavin in in the interview last week. That was certainly. Uh, something notable um, that he pointed that out. Although, you know, I think it was that writing was on the wall, given the way they structured that loan uh, for, for uh, JVR this year. Um, And so, you know, I, I I think that's, that that's all comforting, but they need a striker. (laughs) I mean, they need, they need a striker to be informed. Uh, And you can see now, I mean, points lost uh, because they don't have a striker who's informed. Uh, pretty easy to see uh, in, with respect to this last weekend um, where Ivacic, I mean, you know, he, re- he had the one chance that he, that was pretty darn close to a sitter. <laughs> it, was, it certainly wasn't a hard one. It's one that you expect uh, uh, an MLS starting quality striker to, to convert far more often than not, um, or at least to put on frame far more often than not, you know, maybe the, the goalkeeper picks one out, out of the corner or something like that. Uh, and, uh, and, and, uh, you don't ultimately get the goal, but at least puts it on frame, uh, far more often than not. And not, he didn't just not only not do that, he basically cleared it. <laughs> it wasn't good. It wasn't, a, it wasn't a good moment. Um, and you know, it, it, that's, but even aside from that moment, I mean, the, I think he had 12 touches in 60 minutes. <laughs> he had no other shots. Um, you just, uh, you know, that, and that more. kind of stuff. Yeah. yeah. You need more. I mean, and we've talked about how that kind of stuff is fine and good. If you're putting in a goal, you know, every, every 120 minutes or something like that, if you, if you're scoring at, at, uh, at, at a tremendous rate, uh, then you can forgive those things. But when you're not, and then you're also you're you're also not producing there as well. You know this isn't new territory, uh, but you know that's that's a big problem. And so whether it's Felipe Mora getting healthy and and back into fitness and form, which doesn't sound imminent, just sort of reading between the lines of what we we we've heard, it doesn't sound like that's going to happen. 
you know, in the next week or two. No, yeah, Geo has told me they're they're taking it slow. They are careful with people, as we've seen with how unbelievably slow and sometimes for Timbers fans frustratingly slow they have integrated Blanco into into the starting lineup and sometimes even pulled him back a bit after already having integrated him. Um it's gonna be the same deal with Mora. Uh that that adds to the importance of, of signing another striker. So we will see who that is, who that young player is. Um you know, Gavin mentioned that it's somebody that's gonna be in the two hundred thousand dollar range and, and who fits into that slot in, um, in terms of cap hit uh yes. could be a, a significantly larger uh transfer fee uh get using the u22 initiative absolutely and that'll that could be a, a player that you know has necessity in the short term but could also build for the long term you know we, we don't know how um how long more is going to to be around we don't know if this person um could shift around fit into spaces that could could even have them being the heir to Blanco once Blanco's gone. We will see. But um, for now, the Timbers are are sitting where they're at and um, muddling their way through the rainy season, yes. One, one quick note before we move on to the Thorns, who had a more interesting game uh, yes, this last week <laughs> than this one. Uh, Jeremy Abosi is tied for the league lead in goals. Just something to Throw share. Yeah. yeah. Just a, a factoid. Yeah, that's a little neat little completely unrelated fact that we're going to have uh, have in there. <laughs> we just like to share numbers with you. That's right. Listener that, that, is, that is my number of the week. Jeremy Abobese. Jeremy Abobese. Five goals. Yes. Tied for the league lead. Cool, cool. Uh, so the Thorns, they won 3-2 uh, in, in their game over the San Diego Wave this last weekend. Uh, it was their second to last game of the sort of group stage or division stage or whatever we're calling it of the Challenge Cup. Uh, they go down uh, to Angel City this next weekend where I think uh, they if they win, they're into – the elimination round of the challenge cup. Uh, if they do not, they, uh, they are on the bubble. Uh, right now they're in that, that fourth position, that at large position to get into the semifinal. Uh, they, uh, however, have a couple teams that are, that are, uh, that are sort of close on their heels, uh, to, to do that. So the bottom line is if they win, uh, at LA, certainly something they're capable of, uh, given that angel city has not looked very good and has struggled currently sitting last in the West, uh, uh, they're in. Uh, if they draw, yeah, we'll see. If they lose, probably not. Uh, is, is basically how that boils down. But let's talk about this three-two win over San Diego because it was certainly an interesting game. The Thorns just absolutely laid the lumber to the wave early on in this one. Uh, they were up three-zero by forty minutes in. It could have been more than that. They had a couple of good chances uh, that just went awry. Uh, it it was they were at one point leading shots, uh, and this was again about forty minutes in. Uh, they were leading shots sixteen to one. Sixteen <sighs> shots in fourteen in forty minutes is insane. One yeah. shot in forty minutes also is kind of insane. Uh, <laughs> having both of those stats. Speaking of more numbers, uh, both of those stats occurring simultaneously, is, you know, it, and it was truly indicative of how the game had gone. There was one team on the field. Uh, the San Diego could not keep their foot on the ball. Uh, the Thorns, w- whenever the Thorns lost the ball, they they were pressing pretty quickly and pretty immediately, turning San Diego over quickly. And then it was just a knife through warm butter uh, in uh, in the, the the final third. Oh, by the way, are you a knife through warm butter guy or a warm knife through butter guy? Uh, wh- what which object is warm? 
Well, the butter. I mean, what? What? How are you going to heat up the knife? Like, what? What are you? What's your like? Are you putting it under hot water? I mean, I, I don't know what. So the... I agree, there are safety concerns. Um, yes. With 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 the warm knife, I have heard it the other way. I am very much a knife through warm butter. I also think that works better because. Warm butter is, you know, like has the consistency that it definitely is easy to cut through. Even yes. if you have a somewhat warmed knife, but cold butter, like that you're pulling straight out of the fridge or God forbid the freezer, Ugh. like it's not going to work great. No, so it, you're, you're going to melt the area in the, in the near vicinity around your knife. And I'm, right. I'm using hand motions to describe it right now, but obviously <laughs> nobody can see it. Really um, translates well to a podcast. Yeah. It, you know, it's, I have a face for radios is what people have often <laughs> told me, but, um, besides the point, um, yeah, it's, it's no doubt warm butter, um, with, with, a with, a, a knife of knife. any temperature, it, I think it's yeah, fair to say. Well, it, maybe not a cold one. You, you don't want a frozen knife, necessarily. Right. Yep, it, that, it might be a little, little tough to handle. So uh, the thorns just, were yeah. a room temperature knife, uh, and the wave were warm butter uh, in, in, in the first they were 40 ba- minutes. They were essentially, you know, you left it in the microwave too long, <laughs> and there was like a little pool of liquid around what used to be a stick of butter. They were they butter, were pre-chocolate yeah. chip cookie batter butter, is, the, is that oh. what you're saying? Dude, you're going to make me want to go bake some right now, man. There that sounds amazing. <laughs> All right. So that's the visual we painted for everybody. This is like, you know, this is what we have to do on a podcast. We really have to like work on the visuals that we, that we can extend then to our listeners so that they really get, you know, the can, can feel the metaphors. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so I, I think we've done a really nice job. We've covered this one very thoroughly. Um, so yeah, it was a knife through warm butter, uh, and, and, and the thorns, uh, were wholly deservedly up three zero, um, going, going into the half. And then the second half happened (laughs) and it was almost exactly the opposite. So the shots, I was talking a moment ago, how the thorns were up 16 to one in shots. Uh, I think after they scored that third goal, it ended 18, 17. Oh, like what? that's, That's bizarre. What? That's the ultimate, you know, take your foot off the gas pedal type of situation. Uh, but they, they did it too early. I, 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 you know, there have been stretches where that's been a problem in the Challenge Cup. And whether that's a, a matter of, you know, urgency on the part of the Thorns or just the fact that they're still working out their kinks or um, uh, maybe the wave suddenly came alive and made made some world-ending adjustments that, that flipped the game on its head. But... Um, you don't like that if you're a coach and and I'm sure that Reen Wilkinson, uh, being the, the hard headed tough coach that she is, um, I'm sure she didn't like that either. Uh, but at the end of the day, you you get three points and, and the joy of the game, um, obviously came and and we'll talk about this as well, uh, from Hina Suka to pulling off a brace. I mean, she has a a smile that's incredibly contagious. Uh, the, the team has talked about that. Yeah. Yeah, Char asks. She's just like one of the brightest, you know, funnest people uh, around that team, and uh, you see the joy um, in in the faces of her teammates when she scores too, um, be- because they're all rooting for her. You know, they're all trying to bring her in and uh, hold her close and and be not only good teammates but good friends to somebody who's adjusting to a completely new life at this point. Yeah. And, and, and I think that was, that was obvious, frankly, even just watching the way they celebrated those goals. 
um, even at, at the time, ostensibly not meaningful goals, although they all ended up being meaningful. True. Um, everyone. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they needed everyone. Oh, uh, that, that it was, op- you know, and, and, and it's rare, frankly, that that comes through so quickly uh, after a player's arrival. Um, uh, so I, I, I think it's, it is very cool to see how, uh, how, how the team is has taken to Sugita and and vice versa, um, mm-hmm. and she, by the way, was really, really, really good in the first half of this one, um, and in the second half was really kind of the only thorn who was kind of trying to to keep keep the the, the ship afloat uh, in in many respects. I thought the biggest difference was the thorns just just really dialed down the pressure that they had applied in, in, in the first half. The the counter pressing that they did after losing the ball against San Diego in the first half was overwhelming. Uh, in the second half, it was non-existent. Uh, and I think allowing San Diego, who, you know, I mean, has some attacking pieces, right? Alex yeah. Morgan is a Few solid names. soccer player. Yeah. Uh, you know, it has some attacking pieces and can do some damage. If you're going to sit off uh, and, and let them push numbers forward, let them get numbers into the box, you know, they, I, I don't think it's, I, I think they're, as any expansion team is, a flawed team. But if you're going to do that, they can punish you. And they did. Um, yeah. Very nearly getting back and equalizing uh, that game or worse. Oh, it was weird, though. It was, you know, in, in all of the games in the Challenge Cup so far, I really felt like this was the first time that the Thorns really lost control of a game. Even the, the, the opener at, uh, at the rain, uh, it was a, a pretty good game. Uh, I, I thought, and, and, you know, and the, the rain certainly had in that game, some, some good moments, uh, where, where, you know, they were, they were on top of the game, but I never felt like the thorns were really like completely lost control of the game. I felt like that here. Uh, certainly, you know, the, the, the loss to the rain, uh, in Portland, the thorns were in really good control the entire time. That was, that was kind of a goal that, that the rain nicked a little bit out of nowhere in a game that the thorns otherwise really pretty well dictated, even if they didn't create a ton of clear chances out of that. Oh, but it was the first time this last weekend where the thorns really were a game got away from them. And and I think to your point, I think that's exactly what, what rain is going to be concerned about. Uh, and, and is going to want to be talking to the team about, uh, heading into the, this last game, uh, of the challenge cup. Uh, scale of one to ten, advancing uh, into the semifinal of the Challenge Cup. How how important is it? Um, <laughs> it's like a five to to me. It's like a five. I they're they're happy if they do. They don't care if they don't. Um, that doesn't mean that they're not going to compete like hell and and um try to and more than likely are going to win on the road at Angel City FC. Um. But if push came to shove and some weird stuff happened where they lost that game or ended up drawing it and uh, for some goal differential reason or otherwise fell out of that four spot, I don't think it it would would be of massive concern to Reen Wilkinson and company uh, simply because there is going to be inevitable overlap between the semifinal and final of this Challenge Cup and the start of the regular season. You know, you only have a few days between when the Thorns play this last group stage game and when they open up against Kansas City. So uh, not having additional games to worry about, I don't think would be the worst thing. But, you know, for for the sake of the club and, and its prestige and, and um, the way it's viewed around the league, um, if they do get in the semis, they very obviously do are going to want to win that thing. You know, they'll, they'll more than likely be matched up with O.L. Reign 
in that first game for the third um third time in in the challenge cup which would be really exciting uh, and if they don't see him there they'll definitely see him in the final that rain team is, is playing very well um so we'll see yeah i i importance wise i don't see it being this massive thing where if they don't make it they're gonna care very much I tend to agree uh, that that this isn't this isn't you know a be all end all must advance existential kind of uh, kind of thing by any means, uh, but you know I, I think with a team with that's had as much turnover as they have had, I could see Reen Wilkinson saying, "Hey, you know what? I want to get in some some pretty meaningful games with this team with where we're at. We're coming along nicely, you know. We're we're getting folks integrated." Uh, I wouldn't mind the opportunity to get into a game that's, that's, you know, really getting into a game that it feels like it has some stakes to it. Um, you know, before, before, you know, cause otherwise you're going to have to wait until late in the regular season or even into the postseason uh, to, to get that kind of a feeling again. Um, and so it wouldn't surprise me if, if there is some motivation there, but yeah, I, I certainly wouldn't put it above a five. Uh, I might even put it a notch or two below. Um, but, you know, I mean, you know me, I'm just low drama guy. So, of course, I'm going to go for the lower number. <laughs> of course, this is this is pure lack of drama here. Anything else on the thorns? Obviously, a lot of thorns content in the first half of the show that you'll be recording tomorrow. Uh, yes. Anything else on the thorns before we uh, we hit a couple other points and, and get on out of here? I think it's exciting uh, that Janine Becky's with the club now and, and she right. Good could, could very well uh, make her debut uh, against Angel City. We'll We'll see where she fits in. Um, she, she's a culture fit though. She, she's a very motivated, intelligent, uh, talented player who, um, whether, whether she's playing up top or, or Reen decides to move her somewhere else, uh, to maximize the talent on this team. Um, I think Thorns fans have a lot to be excited about having her in the fold. Uh, there's built in chemistry there, obviously with Christine Sinclair and her history uh, on the Canadian national team. Um, and there's built in chemistry with her coach. She used to play with Reen Wilkinson and, and play for her on the Canadian national team. Um, so something to keep an eye on, uh, in this final challenge cup game and potentially, um, in the opener is, is what her role is, where she fits in, um, and how they make best use of her. Yeah. My only other note from the game that I, I, neglected to to note when I was actually talking about the game. Uh really, really missed Natalia Kuika. Really missed her. Um uh the the figuring out the 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 fullback positions uh and they weren't a four three three so they were fullbacks um by and large. Uh figuring out the fullback positions was was a challenge uh over the course of the game. Um and and not having Kuika was was very, very noticeable. Uh that is conceivably, maybe, probably not, uh somewhere where Becky could plug in more likely up top or or in in sort of a, a an attack minded midfield role. Um but but that certainly adds at least another option to that discussion, which which it's looking like it it could use uh another option in that discussion. The Timbers U15s uh, certainly didn't expect to be talking about the Timbers U15s. This <laughs> this this may may be one of the first times on this podcast. Uh, but hey, you do something like this, you're going to get talked about. They went down to the Generation Ditas Cup, uh, which is uh, sort of the 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 premier academy tournament in the U.S. every year, uh, and and frankly is is a pretty good international academy tournament. Uh, they went down and won the dang thing. Uh, they won the ship. 
uh, which, yeah. which is you, you can't do better than that. Uh, pretty remarkable. Uh, they beat Valencia in, in, in the final. Uh, they knocked off the the Red Bulls in the, in the semifinal. They knocked off Manchester United in the quarterfinal. You can sort of go back through the tournament, and it really is a who's who of of really good academies, both stateside and internationally, whom this U15s team took down over, over the course of that tournament. Uh, Ryan, you wrote a story about this. What are some of your thoughts uh, coming out of that that win for them? I think it's really exciting um, for the franchise generally to to have this this kind of landmark moment for the academy uh, to point to and say, "See, uh, what we're building um, is is resulting in in exciting moments like this." You know, it wasn't a fluke run that the, these U15 kids made made their way through uh, this tournament. They were the number two seed, so they they proved themselves to be the one of the teams to beat in, in a tournament that is internationally recognized. And um, you're talking about Manchester United and Valencia on there. LAFC and, and New York Red Bulls are great uh, elite ac- ac- academies there, but those are, those are two serious names in international soccer for them to beat. Um, and, and their coach was really excited about it. You know, he said this was a fun group to be around. Um, and, and, you know, there are a few things more, um, joyful uh than having fun on a youth sports team right even even on something as intense as as the timbers academy club which has extremely high standards compared to you know your your the kick and chase you'll play when you're young but um you know it's really fun to to see that and and i think it's important for the franchise gavin wilkinson uh spoke to me about this for that story and, and said that uh, what they're trying to build uh, is in the model of those type of uh, academies overseas and, and for them to compete with and beat those teams uh, is a sign of good things to come in their view. Yeah. Wins and losses are not sort of the be all end all uh, of, of academy soccer. So, you know, that's, that's important to note at the outset, but this is a really impressive showing from, from a team that it really has showed some signs of life uh, over the course of, of the last year or so. Uh, it really has some sh- showed some aptitude over the course of the last year or so. Um, and look, you don't have to talk to people in youth soccer circles very, very much or very long before you figure out that there's some pretty deep disrespect for the Timbers Academy uh, uh, around the country. And, 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 you know, if they're even on the radar internationally, that would include internationally. And look, some of that disrespect is deserved. This is not an academy that has produced a lot of high-end talent, that has sort of done these kinds of things in the past. And so this is a major feather in the cap and a major answer to to some of that disrespect that they face uh, now going forward. And look, that matters. That matters when it comes to, to recruiting athletes to come into the academy. That matters when it comes to retaining athletes uh, in, the, in the academy. Uh, and it matters, frankly, when it comes to getting the attention of scouts and, and commentators and, 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 and those sorts of things um, that create some of the energy. Uh, behind, uh, b- behind, uh, some of these young, young players. And so, uh, and, and that, that manifests itself in very real ways for them. That manifests itself in professional contracts. That manifests itself, uh, in, in other opportunities, college scholarships, all those sorts of things. Uh, that's, this matters for. Uh, and, and so you know that the next time that somebody says, ah, the Timbers Academy, they don't know what they're doing. This is going to be the, the, the retort, right? All right. Well, one U15s won the the GA Cup, so 
what do you want? Knocked off yeah. the Red Bulls, who you just spent 15 minutes gushing about. Knocked yeah. off Manchester United, whom you may have heard of. Knocked yes. off Valencia, another club you may have heard of. So, you know, that, that's a big deal. And, and earning respect in, in the youth soccer world is not an irrelevant thing. That's It's important. And, and I think this is a, a good step uh, to earn some of that. Definitely. And, and you know, uh, to, to bill yourself as Soccer City USA, I, th- I think you have to have this type of a foundation. Um, and I think this is a sign of something incredibly positive. I won't go out on a limb and, and make any grand statements about uh, them being the next great academy around the world. But I, I do think that um, there's something to be said for, for pulling off something like this. Um, individual players coming out of this and, and potentially being part of T2, part of the first team in the future, uh, that's the big test to me it, you know having that homegrown talent that's the ultimate goal uh and gavin wilkinson talked about this about the importance of growing players that can can make their way through the club or even be sold to uh leagues that are, are at a higher level right now than mls um something like that i i, I think is is going to be the big test we have one um player to to shout out there are many who, who contributed um heavily to to the victories uh throughout that tournament but uh recently came out through a press release uh that the timbers posted that grayson carter uh was called up to the u15 uh u.s men's national team this is a kid out of boise idaho so uh if you want to call boise the northwest is another is another boise product there's another boise product so you know um, building those tendrils and, and those connections to, to cities in our region, uh, is incredibly important. And, and if you can bring a guy like that or, or others, uh, up through the team, should they develop the way you want them to, um, you're, you're building something, you know, most teams in, in major league soccer don't have a whole lot of anything on that front. So, so if, if you're going to, um, build something for the future and, and be a, club recognized not only in north america but hopefully in in their view globally um that's where you start so let's let's finish up uh by talking about next week's next wednesdays if i'm yes next wednesdays uh charity match uh it's going to be timbers and thorns versus timbers and thorns uh all to benefit uh ukraine um and, and and relief for uh in in various capacities um uh, through the UN, uh, for, uh, folks affected by the war in Ukraine. Um, uh, so let's talk about a little bit of the soccer. Uh, I only want to hit this for a couple minutes because we got to get on out of here and get scooting. Uh, sure. but who, who are your dark horses, uh, for this game? Who, if, if you're captaining, I don't necessarily want like your first or second pick because I think those can be kind of obvious, mm-hmm. but who's, who's the player who you're like, I'm going to like reach up and take this person before folks are, are thinking that they're going to be taken. Uh, you know, Zach McGraw seems like a, a young, exciting guy that, um, I, I think could, um, be picked high, um, as someone who, um, I don't know how physical they're going to be in this game, but you know, his, his, <laughs> uh, his height, his physicality, uh, is a weapon, you know? So, so to have a, a you're, you're not necessarily looking for the most experienced. Are you going to play him as a striker, as a goalkeeper? What are you going to do? Oh, well, 
I, you know, I hope that there are people playing out of position in this game. I think that would be <laughs> hilarious. You know, you, you throw the mitts on Diego Char or something for a few minutes and let him play in goal or, or some some outrageous thing. So I may be getting this wrong, but I think I think that there is a tradition at training or a, a practice now at training of Seba Blanco really liking to wear the mitts. Mm. Um, so if that doesn't ha- if I'm remember a if I'm remembering that right and b uh, if that doesn't happen, I think there's reason to be upset. I think I've seen videos of him doing it. I, I think I've seen Yimmy in there too. Um, so so who knows? Maybe there will be some some fun out of position stuff. But you know, the young guys Zach McGraw, Eric Williamson, um, and, and others from the Timbers would would be some exciting additions. Um, you think about key uh, underrated Thorns players that that could. Uh, be dark horses in this game. Natalia Quika is one of them. She she um, has been tremendous for for the team so far. If she's healthy and, and able to play, um, I think she would be a major asset for either team. Um, then you have the obvious ones. I mean, whoever drafts Sophia Smith, she she's gonna put somebody in a mixer, uh, no matter who is on her. Watch out, Jose Valrankin. <laughs> oh yeah, it, it, I would. Uh, <laughs> I'd be pretty nervous if I was him uh, on the outside there. But um, yeah, she she's tough, and and it's gonna if she lands on on uh, Sink's team. Uh, th- those two are going to tear it up uh, with with Blanco playing a, a kind of nine situation. Um, nine I, slash goalkeeper. Yeah, nine slash goalkeeper. Uh, they'll they'll shift him in between. Um, it's just going to be so much fun, you know. Beyond all of the tactics and the the positions and everything else, um, I look very much forward to to being there, uh, taking it in, and and I know that. Um, Tickets are, are going relatively fast right now from what I hear uh, from sources inside the organization is that, um, I mean, they're free, so, you know, easy to pick them up. But they're also raising a, a sizable amount of money for what is a, a vitally important cause. You know, I don't think that um, we should ignore any of the, the major conflicts that are going on around the world that deserve our attention. Um, but But to spend time on this specific one and raise money around a sport that that Christine Sinclair described as unifying and and I agree with um it's really special and and I think it's it's something uh, to be proud of as a portlander to to get out there and um enjoy something like this so I actually think there's a right answer to this question and it is Morgan Weaver Morgan Weaver is a one speed player right so That's true. so put her on the field in a cup final or put her on, 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 on like, you know, a Sunday league field, she's going to go hard. Uh, and so, uh, and so if I'm captaining a team, I am absolutely taking Morgan Weaver a round or two early just because, uh, I do think we know, uh, how physical the game is going to be not. Uh, yes. and, 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 you know, if I'm confident that any, that any player on either team is going to, you know, get a little bit stuck into this game, uh, it, it, it's Morgan. I think Kelly Hubley might be there as well. Uh, yes. and, and she's very hyped about the draft too. She, I've, yeah. I've heard that she looks very much forward to, to leading the way on, on picking her ideal squad. Although she, I just couldn't pick her cause she's doing the picking. So yes, she's doing the picking. So you can't, you can't pick her for your team, but, um, she has said she will not pick Eric Williamson either. Uh, she has come out f- frankly and, and, uh, 
said she doesn't want want him uh, on, on her <laughs> team. So I agree, though. I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going to be fun. I've got my tickets uh, and looking forward to going um, and all to benefit uh, to help UNICEF and their relief efforts for folks who are affected by uh, this her, the, this terrible war. So uh, I'm looking forward to it. It's it'll be a fun thing. It, it'll be for a good cause, uh, you know, and and uh, whatever whatever else is sort of going on in the PTFC universe. Oh, um, I, I, I think it's, it's worth, you know, allowing this fun thing to be fun and to benefit this, the, the, the good cause that it is. Oh, um, so I, I, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. And I, I think that's an important point to be made too. Um, there are absolutely very much, um, serious issues going on, um, from both an organizational standpoint and, um, the, the type of stories that have come out of PTFC in the last couple of years with, with the off field issues. Um, that does not mean that this event, um, is, is, you know, intended to be some kind of distraction or, uh, is something that you can't enjoy because of, of those issues. I, I think it's very important, um, for people to, to come together around something like this and, you know, go outside have fun. Hopefully the weather's nice. Even if it's not, uh, you know, that the, the riveters and the timbers army are both going to show up in, in droves and, and have a good time and, and down some beer, but have fun. I mean, th- that's what this whole thing is for is, is the ability to, to have fun, to, to see, uh, something happen that's never happened before, uh, bring together two, two clubs that are united under one umbrella, uh, no pun intended. And, <laughs> and just, just have a good time. So have fun, people go outside, but don't bring an umbrella to the stadium. Don't bring an umbrella. You'll, you will. Yeah. You'll be chided. You, you will not make friends. <laughs> no, you will not. Uh, there, there are no umbrellas. Uh, it never rains at Providence park. That's what the, yeah. Oh, or am I, I mixing I, it up with I, another I'm pretty stadium? sure that's a thing. <laughs> yeah, sure. It never rains at, except for every single home game I've covered this year. It's it that's never right. rains that's at Providence right. park, but all right, yes. this podcast is over. I think we're done. We we've devolved. So take us out, Ryan. Take us of out. Of course, uh, <laughs> we we we've talked more weather than soccer today. So I will take us out. Par for, um, par for the course. Thanks everybody for joining us on Soccer Made in Portland. Uh, for Chris Reifer, I'm Ryan Clark. We'll see you next week. <laughs>